You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Yeah, tonight, tonight's special for two reasons. First, it's the first night of a new series. That's always a special night. Second is because we've got a special guest in the house. Before I invite him up, though, I know he's rearing to go, and I'm just taking forever. But I just want to really quickly set up, set up the stage for this new series. Um, so we're all on the same page about what we're talking about when we say the gospel according to. Now, that word gospel is packed full of meaning. Like, that's one word that has a lot of stuff loaded into it. Can somebody in this room tell me, uh, pop quiz, what that word gospel translates to? I know we got some private school students in here who know this. No, Caleb, you always answer the question. Sorry. Good news. That's right. Somebody say good news. Gospel literally translates to good tidings. Good tidings or good news, right? And I bet if you were to ask 10 Christians tonight what the good news of Jesus is, I bet you would get at least five different answers on what the good news of Jesus actually is. Now, I think one of the most like bare bones, simple definition of the gospel is probably what, probably what came to your mind, which is this. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. Who's heard that before? You're in church? I hope you've all heard that before. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. That is a part of the gospel, though. That's not the whole gospel. That's a part of the gospel. Because if that was just the gospel, well, then why would we need four books called the Gospels that each are at least over 16 chapters long? Does that mean they're just saying, like, Jesus died on the, sin, died on the cross for our sins, like, 100 times over and over and over again? Like, have you ever been in trouble at school before and your teacher has you write the same sentence over and over and over again? It's not like, it's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John were like, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, period. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, period. That's, not, that's, that's a part of the gospel, but that's not the whole gospel. There's more to the story. There's more to the gospel. In fact, if you're, if you're going to ask somebody, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to get different answers because the gospel, according to Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, was primarily that Jesus was that long-awaited Messiah from the same lineage of David. The gospel, according to Mark, was that Jesus is a healer, and he loves you, and, and, um, and he's a miracle worker, and he's a teacher. The gospel, according to Luke, was that Jesus is merciful, and he cares about people who are not cared about normally. Like in Scripture, in, in Luke, we see Jesus caring for the, for the women and the poor and, and uh, the Gentiles. We see him caring for all these people that nobody ever cared about. The gospel, according to John was that Jesus is the Son of God. The gospel, according to the woman at the well, was that Jesus has living water. The gospel, according to the possessed man in Mark chapter 5, was that Jesus is a deliverer. The gospel, according to blind Bartimaeus, was that Jesus is a healer. Are you, are you following me tonight? The gospel, according to Jesus himself. Jesus didn't say the good news is that I came to die for the sins of the world. Jesus said the good news is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here and now. So are you, are you seeing with me how the gospel is a loaded word? It's got a lot of meaning to it. It's not just that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It's so much more than that. 
And so here's why I want us to kick off the series, just addressing that real quick. Because if you're taking notes, write this down. We all receive the same good news. Somebody say amen to that. We all receive the same good news. We receive the same Jesus, but through different eyes. All of us have a different story. Every single one of us in this room have a different story, different eyes, different perspective. We all receive the same gift, but the way we receive it looks different for every person. And that's why this practice of sharing our stories, sharing what the church calls our testimonies, this is why this is so important because I need the testimony, the, the testimony of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get a good picture of Jesus, amen? I need the testimony of Paul to get a better picture of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I need your picture, I need your testimony, I need your, the, how the gospel is according to you to get a better picture of Jesus. So during this series, we're gonna get to hear from one of my good friends tonight. Next week, we're gonna get to hear from somebody else. And then on the last week of this series, we're gonna hear, get to hear from some students, all right? Some testimonies, it's gonna be an amazing series. I can't wait for it, but without further ado, are you guys ready for tonight? We get to hear from, um, we get to hear from one of my best friends in the whole world, Pastor Casey Bush. Uh, yeah, you can make some noise for Casey. If you don't know, if you don't know Casey, Casey is um, our pastor over um, Creative Ministries, um, our production team. Who serves on the production team? Where are the homies at? Where are the homies at? Are there any ladies that serve on the production team? I'm just curious. All do. Yeah, there we go. Let's go. We got one girl on the production team. We need to work on that, Casey. <laughs> but Casey is an amazing friend. He's an amazing husband and father. And I'm telling you, a lot of you guys don't see Casey from the pastoral side of things because he's not up here preaching messages necessarily. But I'm telling you, Casey has one of the most pastoral hearts that I know on this staff. The way he pastors his team. I know all the guys who are on production could attest to this. Casey is, has a pastor's heart, a true shepherd. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story tonight. So... New Song students, would you give Casey a huge New Song students warm welcome? All right, all right. This is way different than like speaking in like a, a main service. Y'all are rowdy. I told Pastor Jackson, I was like, hey, I would have come up and worship with you, but uh, I couldn't get through everybody standing throughout the uh, room, which I love. That was awesome. I don't get to see students a lot which it was a real treat. First off, let's honor your pastor real quick. You guys have an incredible man of God leading this ministry. And I remember knowing you in a home with just a couple kids. Jackson, this is an incredible, incredible thing you've done with God. I'm so proud of you, man. This is incredible. And you are one of my best friends and brothers in Christ. Thank you. And I'm honored to be here tonight. I, uh, first, I want to give a little introduction about myself. I am the creative pastor at New Song Church, um, so you see me a lot of times in black, not in color. I wore color for you guys, so you could see me against the black stage, and so, um, and if you're ever interested in being part of that ministry, I'd love to have you girls. <laughs> Apparently, we need girls. So we had one girl, Mike, Michael McCurley's sister, and she uh, ran away from us, apparently. So um, that's how that went. 
Well, tonight I want to, as Pastor Jackson said, I want to give you the gospel according to me. I'm going to give you a little insight into what God has done in my life because testimonies ultimately show the love and mercy of our God, the love and mercy that he's shown me personally, and I know he's personally shown every single one of you in here. I'm going to give you some intense stories about myself. I don't want you, I want to posture our hearts real quick. I do not want anyone walking out of here tonight going, I don't really have a testimony. I don't have a testimony because mine, it doesn't involve such intense, theatrical, crazy life circumstances like Casey or some other people you may hear up here. God is moving. A testimony is just a proof physically of the goodness of God through you. And so we're going to get into that. And I also want us to put yourself in my shoes. I know I'm old. I'm, I'm a little older than you guys. I still feel, we still feel like super cool <laughs> and super young. It's not funny. It's not funny. We are cool. Me and Pastor Jackson are cool. We do cool stuff. And we dress so cool. And so... But really, I want, I want you to put yourself in my shoes. I'm going to go through a list of stuff and tell you a story about my life. And I want you to not see 32-year-old Casey. I want you to see 17-year-old Casey. So raise your hand in here if you're 17 years old. There's a lot of 17-year-olds. Raise your hand if you're 16 years old. 18 years old? No, 18 years old. I want you to put yourself in those shoes. I don't want you to disconnect from like, he's so much older than me. This, could, this is so far-fetched. I want to connect tonight through our testimony, my testimony. I want to show you physically what God has done in my life at your age, right? And so before we get started, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. What an honor Man, what an honor. Your mercy and grace is so abounding. You are so merciful that we're able to get on a platform and tell the stories of how good you are. If that's the only thing I did the rest of my life, Father, it would be worth it. Let us have eyes for seeing and ears for hearing how good you are tonight, Father, through our testimonies. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's kick it off. I grew up in a really, as I'm sure you, heard, you hear this in every testimony, I grew up in a normal, grown-up church, family, good Christian home. So you hear that a lot. But it's true. I mean, I did. I was a pastor's kid. And my parents were fantastic parents. My parents were ministers. Um, they loved God. They started, they were church planners. They planted multiple churches that are still going today. So there's still people receiving the gospel um, from obedience in my parents. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I have that legacy to live in. And so I grew up in that. My parents traveled the country, were children's ministers. My 
my parent, my dad and mom were very close to Pastor Josh's dad and mom, Pastor Ken and Trudy. Um, growing up, I knew them, and they were always around. My parents traveled a lot with them, and uh, they're they're fantastic. And so I kind of grew up that way, but I never really had like a like my own relationship with God. I didn't have like my own working relationship with Jesus. I didn't practice the way of Jesus. I just knew him. Like I had an, as Pastor Josh says, I had an information ship with Jesus. And my parents, I'm going to go into this and I, I want to honor my parents. They did a great job of telling me of who Jesus was and how the word works and who God is and his nature. These were decisions on my part. And so I, I had an information shift. So I went all through high school and school, kind of a genie in a bottle situation. Like, oh, I need, a I need an A on a test. Like, Lord, are you good? Like, you up there? Like, rubbing the genie. Like, wishing is a wish to throw a coin in, a, in the wishing well. Lord, I need healing. Well, maybe, we'll, maybe it'll come back to me. I knew God did heal out there, but I didn't think, truly that he like healed in here. And I don't really need that. That's like for other people. That's like for them. And so I went my whole life like this, kind of one foot in, one foot out, just kind of in the gray area, not really doing wrong, but not really living right, kind of showing up to parties, maybe not drinking, but doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. But I made it to church on Sunday. Like I was there. Sunday night, I was there. Wednesday, I was there. And so as I turned 17, life was still fine. Like, my parents went to church, still growing, was going good. Life was good. One day I came in to my house, and I played hockey in high school in Tulsa. And I came into my house, and I needed to borrow my dad's truck because I had hockey practice. And so I went to go look for him. This is the evening. This is after school. Um, and I go, you know, yell for him, and I don't get an answer. And I kind of immediately get, like, a kind of weird feeling. Like, it's the evening, my dad is home, and no one's answering me. I don't hear the shower on, like, he's not sleeping. And so I go knock on his door, and I still don't get an answer. My dad snored really loud also, so, like, you knew when he was sleeping. It was like a train going through the house. And so I just got this, like, feeling, and I didn't really know what it was. And so I go to open the door, and as I go to open the door, I see a body laying there on the ground in his room from me to that light. And I shut the door real quick, and I just say, I do the thing that I've always done. God, don't let this be happening. Like, Lord, please no. Like, this isn't happening. Because I knew on the other side of that door that my life was going to change forever. That it was going to be completely different. And I was very, very comfortable where I was. I rush in, and I see my father there, laying on the floor, lifeless in a way that I've never seen him before. 17-year-old kid. 
No dad. Like that. No warning. Like that. I proceeded to call 911, and I, I don't really know what to do. Like most people, you, you call 911. She starts walking me through like all the all the necessary things, like, does he have a pulse, and can you start mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, and I just tell her, I'm like, stop, 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 I'm crying, and I'm losing it, I just say, it's over, it's over, and looking back on it now, I was saying, my life is over, what now, my whole life, I had lived through my parents' Christianity and walk with Christ, what now? Like, I had no idea where to go. I had lived through my dad's accomplishments, church building, and walk with Christ. I had nowhere to turn. Time went on. My mom is distraught. She has no idea how to raise by herself a young man. A young man needs his father. A 17-year-old going into adulthood needs his father. I keep going in high school. It's my senior year. And I, I just kind of put on the face. But the whole time is a gaping hole inside of me that I'm not able to fill. Friends, try to fill it. Nope. Fun, try to fill it. Nope. I'm trying anything that I can to fill this void, and nothing is working. And so, graduation comes. A time when, when a young man goes and is considered, okay, you're a man. It's time for you to, to go into the world, and I've got no plan, and I've got nowhere to go, and I don't know what to do. And I'm grieving for the wisdom of my father, my coach, my pastor, my best friend. I'm grieving for this, this wisdom that I need from him, and I'm I'm so angry. And I don't know who else to be angry at except God. And I shake my fist at God. Why would you take a man who who devoted his whole life, why would you take this from me? Why would you take a father? What kind of father takes another father away from his son? And that's the way I painted God. That's the way that I saw it. That you had control, you did nothing about it. And I was angry. After graduation, I'm sitting in my car in a gas station in Tulsa. And I'm crying. And I'm shaking my fist. And a buddy of mine comes up to me and sees me. We had just finished our graduation ceremony, and he's like, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I hate this for you. I don't want you to go through this. Let's go where we have a night where we just forget about it. Like, let's just go enjoy graduation. We had this thing called Project Graduation after that where we go to the school. Let's just go enjoy it 
and just have fun. And he took out a pill, broke it in half, and he handed me half of it. And because this hole was so huge, and I was so desperate to fill it, that I just took it. No concerns. No worries. Just would fill it with anything. What this pill was, was a pill that uh, requires a prescription called Oxycontin. And it's a really high dose of opiates that they give cancer patients and people that are dying to fully remove any type of pain that they have. And I'm a 17-year-old kid taking this pill and that I've never drunk, done drugs before in my life. And that night, I began to fill this hole with the world. And I, at that time, I felt incredible. It's best I've felt nine months. I'm forgetting about this whole thing behind me. Like, this is fantastic. I feel good. I'm having fun. My friends are here. You're feeling good. Like, this is great. The next day, I begin to have cravings to do it again. Because I know your pastor's taught you this. And the word says this. But the, the world is a temporary fix. It is a temporary filler to where Christ is the permanent solution. And so every day, every day, and it takes more and more of this to, to fill it to the point where now I'm physically hooked. I'm physically hooked on opiates and I can't get off of myself. I can't, I can't shake it. I began to have a $400 a day habit. Now 18 years old, I can't even afford my drug addiction. And so I began to steal thousands, tens of thousands of dollars from my widowed mother, the ring that my father left behind for her, breaking into cars, breaking into stores, doing anything I can and everything I can to fill this hole and continue to, to keep it filled because I can't bear another second with myself and what I'm lacking. As time went on, I left a path of destruction behind me. Friends of mine are overdosing. I'm overdosing. I'm fully on to heroin at this point. Putting a needle in my arm, never knowing that once I push that plunger in, if I'm going to wake up. Having no idea, but fully addicted and fully okay with the risk of that to fill the hole. We go on where I say, enough is enough. 
I can't keep living my life like this. Like, this isn't worth it. Like, I've overdosed twice now and woken up in, in a stupor and have no idea where I am. And I'm just going, okay, enough. I can't do it anymore. I go to my mom and I tell her everything. I just spill it all. And I'm just, mom, for the past two years, I've been addicted to opiates. And I'm, I've just begun using heroin. And a widowed mother has no idea how to handle that. Praise God for the legacy that my father left behind. A man came to us and heard about my situation that my, that my parents had pastored and had helped him out of drug addiction and pays for my rehab. Thousands of dollars in, in treatment, thousands of dollars, and he pays for it. I know Pastor Jackson has read this, and if you were an apprenticeship, uh, I went into this story. But I'm going to read a little bit of the prodigal son. How many of you have heard this story? A lot of you. If you haven't done apprenticeship also, I recommend it. If you're going into next summer and you're looking for something, I recommend apprenticeship. Plus, you get to hear me speak. So that's awesome. And he said, the word says, and the man said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. As I entered rehab and began that road to recovery, I sit down at my first meeting, and I start looking around, and they go around the, the room and they say, one in 10 of you is going to make it. One. And I'm in a room full of 10 guys. And they go around the room and they say, how many times have you been in treatment? And so they go around and first guy's like, this is my first time. And I was like, me too, newbies, yay. And then we go around the circle and it gets to this 50, 50-year-old. 50 said, this is my 11th time in 25 years in a treatment program. I've just tried 11 different ones. And back to the prodigal son. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced his son. That night I got down on my knees and I ran to the father. I ran in repentance. And a son who was lost ran to his father. Father, is this going to be my life? 
Is this going to be me? Like, am I going to just 11 times 25 years? Is that it? Because I've got two options. This works or I'm dead. I don't think a lot of people overdose a third time. I felt the Lord say, I felt the Lord say that night, you can't have this one. This one's mine. This one's mine. I've got greater for him. I've got bigger for him. That night was the decision that I had made to have a real relationship with Jesus to truly dive into the word and know who my father was and who my God is and practice the way of Jesus and seek after what Jesus had for me and seek after what true repentance and true redemption looks like through Christ. The world can give it, but Christ perfects it. As time went on and I got out of rehab, I'm worried. (laughs) I'm so worried that I'm going to go back to this life that I was living. And it's scaring me. But I'm trusting that God has a plan. And I'm trusting that if I'm with him, Lord, you said in your word, you would protect me. You're a father. I'm the son. Call on me and you will answer. So that's what I did. Guide my way. Your plan is perfect. I'll follow your plan. Our flesh can be scared. It's normal. Our flesh is all, fights our spirit. It's a full battle between our flesh and our spirit, and our spirit longs for God, and our flesh hates it. I'm in a full battle with my flesh daily. And the prodigal son, it says, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and alive again. He was lost and found and they begun to celebrate. I began to see the path that God had for me. I went to work at a church in Louisiana where they showed me love and compassion. And I just scrubbed toilets and sat under the word and the leadership. And I just served. Because what will break down the flesh but servanthood? And so a year went by. And... Pastor Josh and Pastor Ken came to my church three times in a year, which is a lot. Like, that's a lot for, like, two people to come to your church as guest speakers. And the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, hey, I want you to reach out to Pastor Josh. Um, he was working at Gateway at the time. And I just reached out to him and I said, hey, 
I'm, I'm kind of looking for where I'm supposed to be, and I, I feel like it's time for me to step away in honor where I was. I wasn't leaving out of honor. But do you have any video internships at Gateway? I love what you guys do, and I, I would really love to learn to do ministry in a way like that. Um, I'm just kind of seeking after what God has for me. Is there anything you have? And he wrote out this long email. It was like, yeah, call this person and, and yeah, do this and I'll hook you up with this guy and I'll put a good word in for you. And the Lord said, stop, 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 stop. Ask him to go. Ask him to go with you. At that time and that day, they were letting their leadership know that they would be stepping down from Gateway and going to plant your song in Oklahoma City. And immediately when he asked me, he said, hey, I'm going to do this. I don't, I don't know if you want to do it or not. I'm like, yep, I'll go. Yeah, what are we doing? I'm, I'm on board. Like, whatever's going on, I'm, I'm for it. I don't think it's all a, a coincidence. I'm not doing anything. I'm scrubbing toilets and just kind of serving the Lord. So if you got anything else, let me know. If we go back into that story of the prodigal son, it says they put a ring on his finger. In Genesis, the Bible signifies what a ring from a father represents. It's authority. It signifies restoration in the house and that the son is in good standing with the family and the father. It wasn't, it's not the ring itself that has anything to do, but it's who gave it to him. That through who our Father is, we too have authority. We have, as we run to Christ and abide in Him, He puts a ring on our finger, giving authority over addictions, lust, temptation, anger, depression, anxiety. He puts a ring on our finger. This one's mine. This is my son. This is my daughter. You can't have this one. God has been so good to me, New Song students. I hope you see that tonight. I know it's such a it's such a, a intense story. That's why I kind of prepped you a little bit. It's intense. It's like a lot coming at you. It's like, man, this is really intense. Do I even have a testimony? but I'm showing you a physical manifestation of the restoration and goodness and mercy of God standing right here today. That whatever you're going through, that whatever it is, but God. I know you've heard that before, but God. And I have, but God. God showed me mercy and love and compassion because he is those things. It's, it's who he is. And if you're struggling with anything like I've spoken about tonight or anything that you feel that you're hiding, remember that you can run to the Father. You can run to the Father. Just like I did. I'm at a place where I'm so grateful. God gave me everything back and more. The prodigal son left with probably some nice stuff, but he came back to full restoration as a son. 
And I've been brought back full restoration as a son. And God has supplied every need that I've had, every hurdle that I've needed to overcome. He's been there through everything. I'm so grateful that I get to have a family, have a, a, new, a child on the way, two babies, two babies, a beautiful wife, an awesome church. I love going to church with you guys. I love going to church with you guys. What an honor it is that we get to do this. Be servants of the Lord. Be servants to a God that loves us, that a Christ that died for us, that had your name on, in his head, on his mind. He had your name thinking about the world and you. I'm grateful for that. Praise God. Let me pray us out. Father, thank you for today. So grateful for your mercies, Lord. So grateful for who you are. That you are love. You are compassion. You are might. Father, I thank you for every student in this room. That as they heard that tonight, that it resonated, that the Holy Spirit moves on whatever area they needed to hear, Father. That the Holy Spirit speaks to them specifically. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for our testimonies. We're grateful that you would pull us out of the miry pit. You give me a new song to sing, a praise and hymn to our God. You put a new song in, my, in our mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we make some noise for Casey and for and for the work of God, man? Such an encouraging story. One of the things that I love about that story is, if you know Casey, or maybe you don't know Casey, you're probably like, I had no idea that you were a drug addict and doing heroin at one point. But it's a testimony of of the of the full restoration in a life, the power of God. And Scripture says in Revelations that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that means that the things that He did for another, He will do it again. The things that He did for Casey, He'll do for you. And so I know this was a testimony, not a message, but we still have an opportunity to, to respond tonight. Um, and so I want to invite us to stand real quick, and my leaders to come down to the front. Um, I think there's two responses uh, for us tonight. As, as Casey was talking, I was just praying and asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do you want us to respond to this message? How do you want us to respond to this testimony of the goodness of God, the gospel according to Casey? And so I think there was two things that the Lord highlighted to me, and we're gonna respond to that um, right now. First is this, if, if you're here tonight and you may not be struggling with an opiate addiction or heroin, but I think we all know the feeling of nothing is filling the void. I've been there before. I don't have a testimony like Casey, but I know what it feels like to have nothing fill the void. Um, and maybe you're here tonight and that's you, man. You've just been in a process of finding and trying and looking for something. Um, and you don't have the peace of God. You don't have the mind of Christ. Like you, you, you are lacking something deep and internally in you. And if that's you tonight, man, this is, this is the Lord setting a path up for you to, to give your life to him tonight. I know we, we have a lot of us in here who we come to New Song students maybe on the weekly and, and, 
and we can assume that we have everything figured out and we're walking with Jesus, but I would just ask you to question yourself, like, if you have that void, I would ask you to question yourself, have I fully surrendered all of my life to the Lord? And if you haven't, I mean, there's no shame in that, but today is your day. Today is the day of salvation, amen? So if that's you tonight and you're here and you're like, man, that resonates with me, there is a void. Um, and I've been playing church like Casey um, and I've been trying to fill that void and nothing is working. I want you to respond and I want you to come down for prayer. And number two is this. I think there's a, 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 an anointing for us tonight to pray for lost siblings. So maybe you're here tonight and you have a lost sibling or family member or somebody in your, in, in your, uh, in your life that has a story like Casey where I know I have a family member who's lost and, and in sin, um, somebody that I've been praying for for a long time. Maybe you're here tonight and there's a person in your life who is just like Casey, who maybe grew up in the same home as you, but is not living with the Lord and is lost and is just like the prodigal son. I think there's an anointing on us tonight to pray for that person, whoever that is for you. So two areas to respond tonight. The first is if that's you personally, and you've got that void in your heart, this is your, this is your time to come down and to confess that to a leader. And we would love to pray over you. And number two is if you have a person in your life who, who is sharing in a similar story to Casey, they're lost and they're broken um, and they are trying to fill their void with anything and everything but Christ. Let's intercede for that person tonight, amen.